and uh, we want to, yeah, just gather back together. <laughs> There's nothing like a cream egg to make a preach go well, do you reckon? <laughs> so if I get a bit hungry partway through the talk, I'm going to unwrap mine. Feel free to eat yours as we go. A bit of a sugar, sugar rush might help concentration anyway. Um, it's great to be together and just celebrate Resurrection Day. And uh, it's, it's a big thing, is it not? To be in love with Jesus, who isn't just risen from the dead, but actually is seated on high, has a name above every name, and rules over all things for the church. Ephesians tells us, uh, so he's in charge for us, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we've got a couple of things to do before we, we get into the talk. Um, just trying to get everybody back together again, but it'd be good just to hear from Tony, just launching out, praying for the sick the other day. It'd be good to hear how that went. Come on, Tony. <laughs> Just tell us how it went. Hello. There you go. Oh, um, I can eat my egg now. Yeah, I'll speak slowly. Um, I went up to one of uh, the Light and Life events up in Dunfermline a week ago yesterday. Um, and it was just to get an idea of all the different things that went on there. And I decided I'd go and have a look at the, the spiritual healing part. So went there and they explained what to do, and then he split us up into little groups of three, where two people would pray for one person who um, was in need of healing. And I sat down with this chap and asked him what was wrong, and he said they had heart problems, so I thought that's a nice easy one to start with. So, <laughs> so it turned out that the chap's got angina, um, so... As myself and another chap started to pray for him, and halfway through praying for him, he sort of sat bolt upright, and I sort of had my hand on the shoulder like this, and uh, I said, "What's wrong?" And he goes, "I've got a a warmth in my chest." And I says, "Well, that's kind of strange because I've got a warmth in my hand as well." Um, so I continued to carry on um, praying for him, and then I felt as if I could feel a pulse in his shoulder, which is absolutely ridiculous because I don't think there's anything up there. Um, and at the end of praying for him, he said he felt an awful lot better. So I asked him, you know, I says, here's my email address. Can you let me know how you get on? And I really didn't expect to hear from him. And on Wednesday morning, I got an email saying that he still had tiny little angina attacks, but absolutely nothing near what he had. There was nothing really? worrying or anything. It was just, whereas before, every time he had one, he thought he was going to die, but now he was feeling a hell of a lot better sort of thing, so he's hoping that this is the first stage of a, a full recovery. Well so, Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody else got testimony to share. Um, it'd be good to welcome Lucia from Brazil. <laughs> do you want to say a little bit about the church plant? Could you do that? I oh, know I'm just kind of dropping it straight on you, but uh, Lucia's part of a church plant in Rio, led by a friend of ours, John Evans, 
and we support them in prayer and financially. And Lucia was with us for, what, a year and a half or so? Studying a little while back. Or you just want us to pray for you. Do you want to say something? Okay, well, let, can we just pray for her as part of this brave church plant happening in this massive, glorious city? Uh, there is a scheme. Just a couple of you just get around. Just stay where you are, Lucy. It's fine. Oh, no, she's coming out. She's coming out. That's okay. We're going to pray for you. Is that okay? You can handle that. <laughs> why, don't, why don't a couple of us just come and lay hands on her? We're praying for you and the whole church plant. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, Father, we thank you for Lucia. We thank you for John and Floor out there. We thank you for the, the brave ones that are, are launching out to plant in, a new church in that city. Thanks, Lord, we can partner with them and bless them. And right now we want to pray that actually even from today, Lucia would take something back uh, from your heart, from us, to those folks and uh, encourage them. Father God, we, we just want to see this thing take off and flourish. Bless John, give him wisdom and energy as he seeks to lead in this new, new continent even for him. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Of your love to be scattered all over Rio de Janeiro and Brazil, Lord. Yeah. We pray that there would be unexplained incidences where men and women powerfully meet you. Mm. Father, we just pray for a hail of meteors of your love falling down on that city, Lord, where people just spontaneously meet you. We pray for dreams and visions. We pray just as they're doing this church plant, Lord, you've been so faithful to us and given us such good people. We pray the same for them. Lord, rally men and women who will be pillars in your church, who will stand strong, who will fight the battle and remain standing and walk with you, Lord Jesus, to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 Thanks, Lucia. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, if you could turn in your Bibles or on your phones, wherever your Bible is, uh, turn to Matthew 11. I do recommend you bring one with you as we refer to it every week. Um, we love the Scriptures. And turn to Matthew 11. Uh, and I just want to big up Nick's preach from last week. I managed to download it and listen to it. it. It really is a must. So if you weren't here or you're out serving last week, you can download it off our website. It's full of, full of Nick Nuggets. I think it's a new phrase. <laughs> Nick Nuggets of wisdom. And in fact, they're coming at you so thick and fast. I'm thinking, I'm glad I can pause this. If you're sitting here listening to it, you can't sort of put the pause button on. So it was just excellent. And uh, we just need to keep learning what it is to how it is to function as a community in this whole realm of, of, of honor, and he did such a great job on that. So if you haven't listened, no shame, but if you haven't heard it by next week, shame. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, Matthew 11. Um, I want to talk about, this really is two things, it's a celebration of Jesus and an introduction to a series I think we should do on healing. 
It's interesting. We've seen tons of healing over the last 18 months, probably into, you know, in this room or in other places through our folks, maybe 70 now. I'm losing track. Different healings. So what? 25 this year so far. Where are we? Three, four months in. Wow. 25. That's awesome. Oh, two more stories. 27. Woo! That's worth a thank you, Jesus, right there, isn't it? That's fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is a bit slow. You can hear a bit of cold. So what's that? What's that? What's that working out at? How many? 81 a year. How many a month? I'm just kind of... That's a lot. That's just great, isn't it? Let's, we thank God for that. It's just fantastic. Okay. I thought it deserved a bit more enthusiasm than that, but anyway, it's cool. Hey? Seven a month. That's amazing, because we were like three a month last year. So that's, uh, When we were out in Bethel, they've had one a day at least for 11 years. Ha, uh, ha. So uh, it's getting there. We're kind of climbing. So, and, and uh, you know, we're just celebrating everything, partial things. Um, it's just great, and, and if you have a story, we want to hear it because we want to hear what God's done for you, but we also want to be encouraged for the rest of us in what, what God's doing, so that's just so exciting, and, and I do believe that we're called to reach for greater things, and you'll see that in a moment. So we've done all that, and we haven't taught on healing, um, and, and a lot of us carry various thoughts about this subject, and it's quite a tricky one. Uh, and that's probably why we haven't taught on it. We've just gone and done it. <laughs> and now let's talk about it. And now we're seeing something happen. We can, we can talk about it. Uh, and Jesus, I, I, what I've come to realize recently, I think this is true wider than just me. It's not just my issue. But I think we underestimate uh, the, the, the incredible change that happened when Jesus came so the whole Christ event, he was born, he lived, he died, he was risen from the dead and ascended on high. And obviously Easter, we're very much at this point celebrating resurrection. And I think we, sometimes as Christians, we still not fully grasped the enormity of the shifts that took place when the whole Christ event happened. And, and, and we can sometimes live in a slight overlap of, of old and new without realizing it. And let, let me just sort of give you a few, just a few teasers. Um, <clears throat> if you live, if I live, if you live aware of sin and unworthiness, you haven't really understood the Jesus Christ event. If you live believing that sickness could be God's will for you, I think you haven't fully understood the Christ event. I know that's a really, really light, I'm already treading on points of, but just stay with it. Don't, don't jump off a cliff. Don't get angry with me yet. You can do it later if, when I've explained it more. Um, if you warm to those that prophesy judgment and evil on this current sinful world, and maybe you rise up in anger and judgment in yourself on sinful people, sinful cities, and you know, you want the fire to fall on them, you haven't understood the transition that happened in, in Christ. Um, so here, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things. And this passage really is about the new tune that Jesus sang. And uh, we're going to read it together up to, <clears throat> excuse me, up to verse 24. 
So it's a fair chunk, but I think it's worth doing. From verse 1, chapter 11 of Matthew. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he said, willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He was ears, let him hear. To what will I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our actions. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you'll go down to the depths. If the miracles that have been performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Sodom's like the baddest city in the Old Testament. Fire and sulfur rained from heaven and burned it up and all the vegetation around it. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Man, this passage is full of so many absolutely crazy statements. And we're just going to look at four or five of them just to try and... It's one of those kind of hinge points. It's one of those passages that, 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 that Jesus is letting us know something. He's letting us know the times they are are changing. He's letting us know that, that the old era has passed and the new era has come, an era of which he is the king and which he's defining and which he is ushering in. And it, it, it's qualitatively different. It's a shift, it's a significant shift from what went before, and he touches on a number of the things in this, in this passage. I mean, first of all, just, just the way he answers the question, are you the one? Huh. Are you the one? I, I think in every generation there's people out there, if you like, in the world, looking at the church saying, is this Christ you talk about, is, is he the answer to our generation? You know, we, we can all be aware of our needs and our problems and the sins and the darkness and, and, and there's a hunger in the hearts of men. We, and, and the answer of the church has often been, uh, well, yeah, we believe he is. And here are three apologetic reasons why we believe in it. You know, we, we can discuss with you why there was a resurrection. We can show you some historic proofs. Yeah? What? What? Jesus said is, hey, the blind get their sight back, the deaf get their hearing back, and the dead are raised. That's the answer the world's waiting for from the church today. Do you, have you got it? Are you, are you the ones? Are you really it? Are you all you claim to be? Is Christ all he claims to be? Uh, what it's looking for us to say is, you know what? The deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the dead are being raised. It's amazing having discussions with atheists. I had one recently, and, and, and the sense of some healings, you can kind of 
try and explain away as mind over matter, but the more extreme the list gets, the harder and harder it is. If someone has no eyeballs and they get prayer and their eyeballs reappear, it's awful hard to argue that actually that was mind over matter. (laughs) There was no matter there to start with. You know, and if someone's dead and they're raised, which happens, that's not mind over matter. Your mind is dead. It's just the power of God. People work really hard to explain away the power of God, but the more extreme the miracles, the harder it is to exclude the conclusion that this is a supernatural intervention from a higher power that you can't explain. And that freaks people out. That's what we're called to do, church. To get to the place where when that question comes up in whatever form, is that we say, you know what? We've seen the dead raised. We've seen cripples healed. We've seen blind seen. That's our, our inheritance. This isn't for some sweet by and by when Jesus comes back. This started back then and is intended to be what we continue to do. Is that okay? These are just going to be big picture and I'll kind of land on something a bit more detailed at the end. Then he says, he kind of gets into the John the Baptist thing and he says, John the Baptist was amazing. He was the greatest of the old order, is what he's saying. Of all those born of women, there was none greater than John the Baptist. And you, wow, Jesus is affirming this man. But then, then the very second half of the sentence, he says, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. You think, what? Say that again? The least of the new era is greater than the greatest of the old era. Just think of all the great people in the old covenant. Moses and Elijah, David. Jesus says, John the Baptist, he's the best. But the least in the new era that I'm ushering in, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than them. That's what it says. I'm not making it up. It's not Andy's off on one. The greatness of the least believer is greater than the greatness of the greatest hero of the old covenant. Hey. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not much, you're still better than John the Baptist. Why? Because this new era is so significantly superior and so significantly different and so significantly other than the old. It's qualitatively light and day, it's, it's, it's moving on. It, it, maybe it's like the ceiling and floor thing. The Old Testament established a ceiling which is the floor for the new. We're standing on their shoulders, but we are ahead and beyond them. But also he makes the point that everyone born of woman, but we're, only ju- we're not just born from below, we're also born from above, which immediately makes us a whole different race, which is what Paul says. It says we are completely new creatures. We are, we are a new kind of being that has never existed on the planet 
before Jesus. You and I have dual citizenship. We carry two passports. We have a heavenly one and an earthly one. We have, we have the divine nature within us. We actually dwell in heavenly places. That is our home. That's not just a theory. It's a reality that we can enjoy and experience. Are you getting this? This makes us greater than them. None of, none of them, even the greatest, had that as their basic starting point. And I think as Christians, and over the, over the decades, I guess, and over the centuries, that kind of truth has been corroded and eroded. That we're not allowed to believe that it could be that fantastic to be born again. It could be that awesome. It could be that significant. It could be that amazing. And so we park some of these ideas in that, well, that's kind of something I'll understand when I get to heaven. But actually, it's something that's supposed to affect the way that we live in the here and the now. We're greater than John the Baptist, dudes. At least in the kingdom. In this new... Can you see how... I, I totally get why they crucified him. I think I would have been one. You see, the Old Covenant is confusing. The Old Testament is confusing. It needs revelation even to pick out the Scriptures that show the Christ. So you had a whole heap of mixed expectations about who the Christ would be, what he would look like, what the kingdom of God was. And when Jesus came and said, look, I am the one, he didn't meet any of the ones that they'd come up with, but they were all students of the old covenant. Are you with me? The Bible believers, if you like, the conservative evangelicals of their day missed Christ. Most of them had memorized most of the Old Testament. If you wanted to be a scribe, you had to actually memorize all of the Pentateuch, five books and some more. So you know, they didn't just learn a verse every now and again. They knew the whole thing by rote. They knew the book, but they missed the man. Because it, wasn't, because the expe- it raises an expectation, but it isn't abundantly clear what to expect. So they really expected a king who would reestablish Israel's borders and be some sort of military political leader in some version of that. What they got was a guy who went around with a, with a band of fishermen and other kind of folk and healed people and actually resisted any attempt to put him on a pedestal and make him a ruler. So they're like, it can't be you. But then he says stuff like this. He says, I'm proclaiming this new kingdom of which I'm the king, and the least in my kingdom is better than the greatest in yours. That's going to get up your nose. <laughs> there you are, you're studied, you've given your whole life to this thing, and said so the least in the thing I'm setting up, although it's not what you expected, it doesn't like, look like what you wanted it to do, I'm not kicking any Romans' heads in, I'm not breaking any swords out, I'm not doing anything like that, I'm just kind of cruising around healing people, and this thing that I'm setting up, the worst guy in that is better than the best in yours. Four. That's serious fighting talk. And then he says, I mean, this, this, if, you're, if you're totally devoted to the law and the prophets, you've studied them your whole life, trying to understand, I want to do the will of God, Yeah? 
trying to work this thing out, and you've studied it. Then he says, it just, to- it just tosses it in, like huge grenades. So he says, well, you know, the least in the kingdom is better than John the Baptist, who was the greatest of the old. And they're still reeling. And then he says, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. He's talking about himself. He's talking about him bringing the rule of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about Jesus doing amazing stuff. I've lost my line. It's in there. It was yesterday. (laughs) There it is. Verse 13, for all the prophets, then he says this, for all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. Like, what? Eh? He's saying their function is changing now because the kingdom's come. He's saying the law and the prophets had a function which was to look forward. They were prophesying of something and they were prophesying about him. And once John had showed up and proclaimed that here comes Jesus, that function of the law and the prophets has come to an end. It's going to mess you up as well, isn't it? Hey, Jesus, you're saying the least in your thing is better than the greatest in our thing. And now you're saying all that stuff, its function has completely changed just in one line, changing our whole lives. Why? Because Jesus is the superior revelation. What do you mean? Well, if you go in the book of Hebrews, just just turn there with me because this will help you. These, These are big things. These are massive things. Go to Hebrews 1. The whole of the book of Hebrews is about this. It's about Jesus being better and what he introduced being more amazing and that it replaced the old. Okay, Hebrews. This is verse 1 of chapter 1. In the past, God spoke through our forefathers, through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. <laughs> yeah, no prophet could claim that. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Whoa. The Son. So in the past, there's been various, there's been prophets who've spoken and represented God and and communicated things about God. But in this time, God sends his Son, Jesus, who is the exact representation. And then the writer of the Hebrews goes on to explain how Jesus is superior to angels who were the intermediaries for the old covenant and how Jesus is superior to Moses. Although Moses was faithful over his household, Jesus is superior because he's a son in the house. And he goes on to say that Jesus came and he made a superior covenant on superior promises and he made the old covenant obsolete. So superior was the thing that he introduced. Jesus is superior. He's the superior revelation. He's the superior representation. And he's implemented the superior era to the one that went before. We mustn't muddle our eras, otherwise we'll get confused. 
Are you, you, you with us? So this is significantly different to what went before. The least in this one is better than the greatest in that one. The proof of this one is when people get raised from the dead, that's how you know this is true. Uh, who ever heard of a system like this before? I've come, Jesus is saying, of what I'm doing, the law and the prophets prophesied until now. Now I'm showing you something. And you're like, eh? So Jesus, Jesus messes with them. Just, just turn with me back to Matthew. Will you go back to Matthew chapter 5? Are you still happy? Jesus rewrites bits of the Old Testament. I mean, of course they want to kill the guy. Just, just for an era, you're a good, solid evangelical Christian. You believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it, and it is the Word of God. It doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God, its entirety. And some dude stands up at the front and says, you know what, you know what Paul said in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13? Da, 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 da. You know, that's what he said. But I say this and what I say is better than what Paul said. He'd be chucked out as a heretic, wouldn't he? Yeah. Okay, let's just dial into Jesus. Matthew, there's a whole bunch of them. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. Try this one for size, verse 38 of Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, so he's now directly quoting the law in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, and if someone wants you wants to sue you and take your tunic, then let him have your cloak as well. That's not even close. <laughs> it's not like, well, if you study eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth long enough, you'll eventually get, actually, what it really means is if someone has a go at you and they want your cloak, give them your tunic as well. There's no way you're going to exegete that from that. Do you know, it's not a development. It's a complete switch. Jesus said, you've heard it said, and he quotes the verse. You can find it in the Old Covenant. He says, but I say this. And they're like, what are you doing? We're all good evangelicals. It gets funnier. Look at, look at the next one. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which is actually what it says in Leviticus 19, verse 18. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's not even close either. It's not like, love your enemies and hate your enemies. What point do they overlap is there a, you know, where's the continuation? Where's a neat development from the old to the new? Now, this is a crunching gear change in their heads. This is like, but you know, we came. We took this land by killing all the sinners with swords. Because they hated you. And we, we came and we, exe- we waited. In fact, the Bible tells us that they waited till the, the fullness of the sin of the Canaanites and the Gentiles was there until they, then they invaded. So there were 400 years or so in Egypt. And then they invaded and killed them all because they were sinners. And God didn't say, tut, tut. He says, no, that was the plan. Now he's saying, if they're your enemy, you love them, pray for them. You don't stab them. 
So all these atheists, the plan is we're going to kill them all. We know that isn't right. But that's what the old covenant said. Now remember, Jesus is a superior revelation, okay? In past times, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he's spoken to us through his Son, who is the exact representation of the Father. Are you getting this? Some of it looks different to what they thought it would look like. Jesus looks different to what some of us thinks he looks like. If you give equal weight to some of these old covenant scriptures and try and balance them with the new covenant statements, your brain will fry. But isn't God the same? Yeah. But not expressed the same. Is God a God of judgment? Yes, he is. Is God a God of love? Yes, he is. Is God a God of wrath? Yes, he is. How is that being expressed took a huge shift when Jesus came? He said, the Lord and the prophets prophesied till John, now the kingdom's come. All change right here. You said, I, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say, give them the whole thing. You said, heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say, just love everybody. Wow. The disciples didn't always get it. Do you remember that bit where there's some people that didn't like Jesus? So I think it's the sons of thunder, James and John, is it? And I said, Lord, Lord, can we call down fire on them? It's in Luke 9. Oh, I would have liked that. Well, we all just think, you know, we get so hacked off with people who don't listen to us sometimes, don't we? Well, I, I do. I know you're much more Christian than me. But oh, wouldn't it be nice, nice to have a bit of authentic fire fall from heaven? And it's in the Bible, I can take you to the scripture where Elijah kills at least a hundred soldiers. He says, well, if I'm a prophet and you've come to arrest me, let fire fall from heaven. I mean, they're not just gently toasted, they're burned to death. You know, not in casualty, they're in the morgue. So the disciples are getting to know Jesus, and he's a man of power. You know, not quite sure he is, but he's definitely a prophet. And they know that, there's, you know that the great prophets of old did amazing thing, and the fire thing. Come on, Jesus. Let's call some fire. And he says, whoa, you don't know what spirit you're of. And they're like, we thought we were Old, you know, old Testament, accurate Bible believers, actually, Jesus. And he says, ah, Wrong era, mate. You've parked yourself in the wrong era. You haven't understood. That was for then, but for now it's different. We don't toast our enemies, we bless them. Hey? Is it the same God? Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting this. It's fun, isn't it?
And, and then he kind of tries to help them. He says, listen, when, when John the Baptist came, it was a bit like he sang a dirge, yeah? Oh, woe is me. What was it Kevin Dedman's sang where he was here? Nobody knows the trouble I've been seen. Nobody knows but something. Jesus. <laughs> the answer's always Jesus. Thanks. Thanks. That was so helpful. So this is what should I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to, to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. So we played a happy tune and you didn't dance. We played a dirge and you didn't mourn. They're like, John came neither eating or drinking. I said, oh, demonic. Jesus comes eating and drinking and having a good time and sitting with tax collectors and sinners. And they said, well, he's just a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There's no pleasing these people. You play a sad tune, they don't like it, they think you're demonized. You play a happy tune, they think you're mad. See, Jesus is saying, I've come playing the happy tune. John was the end of the sad tunes. You didn't like that and you don't like me, but the tune is happy now, okay? It's a happy, happy, joy, joy tune. Because he was the happiest man who ever lived. He says he was anointed with joy above his fellows. Nobody knows. He wasn't like that. He was filled with joy. He actually went through the cross because of the joy set before him. That joy motivated Jesus to do incredibly difficult things. The joy of the Father's presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. That's a major characteristic of the presence of God. Jesus knew that that's where he was going and that motivated him to go through all the suffering. This is a new tune. It's not some sort of dour, oh dear, I'm a Christian and it's just dull. Oh yeah, 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 I'm such a humble Christian, but it's dull. One day I'll go to heaven and maybe that'll be happy. But right now, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Now this is more this is more like what Simon was singing earlier. It's more like he's rocking. It's like, come on. Jesus is partying with bad people. I mean there he is listen, he is you've just got to layer this. Alright, he's saying, look, the, the the least in my thing is better than the greatest in your thing. All the stuff that you study, actually its function has completely changed because I've showed up. And by the way, my happy tune is better than your dirge. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Joy is the tune of heaven. Can you see? This This is... Era-changing, mind-bending, absolutely weird stuff. You mean we don't hate our enemies anymore? Nope, you love them. 
We don't kill and shoot people anymore. No, you bless them. Wow. This can't be God. We've done it. The, we've done the killing way for hundreds of years. This can't be right. And it says something else amazing. He says that if the miracles he'd done in their towns had been done up the road in sinful Tyre and Sidon, which was kind of northwest of Galilee in kind of Gentile territory, it would have been known as, you know, like that sinful place like Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 you know, we all have a place that's worse than the place we live in. I don't know what yours is, but oh, I'd hate to live in Edinburgh. And so, whatever. <laughs> For a lot of people, it's Glasgow, to be honest. It's like, I couldn't possibly live in Glasgow. Do, do, do you know, it was, the Tyre and Sidon were those kind of, they were sin cities. So here's all these kind of Galilean towns that are all supposed to love God. And he says, listen, I did tons of miracles with you and you didn't repent. If that had happened up the road in that sin city, they would all repented. Hey? Then it gets worse. It says, in fact, if I'd done that stuff that I did in Capernaum and I had happened in Sodom, that God judged with sulfur raining from heaven, they would have still been here. It's got to mess with you, hasn't it? What is, what is he saying? He's saying that miracles now are supposed to bring repentance. It's not the sulfur and the fire that is to bring change. It's blessing and breakthrough. Oh, that's different, yes. Totally different. If you, it's a, trying to land this now on, on, the, on this sort of miracles and healing thing. This is big, isn't it? This is like, whoa. Miracles produce repentance. In fact, it's saying that if, if my era, if I'd been around in Sodom and Gomorrah days, they would have changed. But under the old scheme of things, they got fried. In fact, if we just went up the road, but at the minute, it says very clearly Jesus was called to the house of Israel with the odd exception. And later it was to come that we were to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He said, if you go up the road with the power of the kingdom, they're going to change. In fact, if you go up the road with the power of the kingdom of heaven, and you do the stuff that I do, whole cities are going to be transformed. What's going to change a city? Is it lots of good works? Well, that's good to do, but no. Is it fantastic preaching? Well, that's good to do, but no. What's going to change sin-filled cities is awesome miracles. Lots of them that they can't explain. Hello? That's kind of different, isn't it? But they'll repent. Goodness of God. Paul said this. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Glad you came. They've all gone a bit quiet on me, Carissa. It's cool. Yeah, thanks. Isn't that amazing? 
So we're not in the fire calling down camp now. We're in the blessing, releasing, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, dead, deaf ears opening. That's, that's our job. Isn't that exciting? Hmm, some of you are still thoughtful. Okay, I'm going the whole way. All right, it's Easter. I'm going the whole way here. So look how Jesus changed things. He says in the old, in the old thing it said, eye for eye, tooth, tooth for a tooth. I say if it's demanded of you, give him your coat and your tunic. Okay, complete change. In the old it said, it said you know, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. I say love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Complete change. Hebrews says Jesus is the ultimate expression, the ultimate revelation, the exact imprint of God. If you want to know what the Father looks like, look at Him. Okay, we're happy with that so far, yeah? So He shifted things, He changes His things. He said even the role of the Old Testament has changed because I showed up. All right, the, the prophets and the law prophesied till now. Right? I'm not saying it doesn't apply, it's just saying it's role shifts. If you look at the Old Testament for your theology of healing, you will be in problems. Because it doesn't add up to what Jesus did. So you can look in Exodus 4.11, it says, I am the Lord and I give sight to eyes and I make people blind and I give people hearing and I give them, make them deaf. Jesus comes in Luke 4 and says, I've come to give sight to the blind. It's the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? He's, it used to be, kill your enemies, now it's love them. It used to be, you know, tough, some of you blind, some of you can see. Now it's God's come to give everybody who's blind sight. It's shifted. Is God the same? Yeah, he's the same. But his revelation to us has increased. It's, it's a superior revelation. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of the Father. The difficulty we, I've had for years with my theology of healing is it's like I've had a line and so I'll go right back into the Old Testament and I'll look at the different healings and then I see, oh, God made someone blind and then the next time... I'm the Lord that heals you. And then I see another one. Oh, he sent a plague on them. And then I see another one. I'm the, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits because he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And by the end of that, I'm confused. You know, and I read Job and I'm like, man, he, made him, he was sick. Well, it was the devil that made him sick, but it was the will of God. And I'm like, you know, if I just read the Old Testament, I would think sometimes it's the will of God to make you ill. Then if I didn't know the Old Testament at all, and I read the life of Jesus, I would think it was always God's will to make me well. Come on, you read the same Bible as me, come on. He, 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 he healed everybody that came to him. And even the guy that said, if it be your will, he just did it. There was no like, mm, let me check. It's Tuesday, it's three o'clock, sorry, don't do healings today. The old covenant was much more, you'd have felt much more like it's a bit of a lottery kind of deal. You know, if my number's up with God, I'll get healed, but otherwise, too bad. It was just kind of my destiny to be blind. Jesus just healed loads of blind people. 
That's why they started crying out in the street. Because they knew, oh, oh, my destiny can change through this man. They're crying out. They're saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he turns around and he, he does it. Isn't that awesome? Because this is the superior revelation of our Father. In fact, the whole book of John was written in order that, that G, to, to explain the fact that Jesus came to reveal the Father. What's he like? He's a healer all the time. Is it God's will for you to be sick? No. Do people get sick? Yeah. Is that God's will? No. All right, it's clearer in the new. We should read the whole thing through the revelation that is Christ, not read Christ through the old. Hello? So I'm not saying none of it, I'm not saying that any of it is untrue because all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, rebuke, for correction and training in righteousness. But Paul also says that scripture is useful if you use it properly and often we don't use it properly. So you can't draw a line. So here's my line. He gets in the Old Testament, he got healed, he got sick, he got burned, he got fried. He, he, God made him blind, God made him see. You know, and then Jesus heals everybody. And, and, and I'm like, if I try and make a system where I give equal weight to all those verses, I'm in problems. It's not a straight line. Do you, do you, you getting this? It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. He's multifaceted. He's deep. He's profound. And, and what he's done is give a superior revelation. We're supposed to look at everything else through Christ, not at Christ through everything else. He makes sense of it. So you can't stack Exodus 4.11. We give it the same value as Luke 4.18. Hello? Because the Bible says Jesus is the best revelation of what God is like. All the other things are actually now passing away. It says that the old covenant has become obsolete. It says that several times in the New Testament. So it had a function, but a lot of that function has come to an end. And if you want to know what God's heart is for healing, look at Jesus, not Exodus. Hey. Oh, we got there. So, okay. so God, in Christ, changed everything. I, I have huge sympathy for the Pharisees. I think they were the conservative evangelicals of their day. I think I may have been one of them. But it says in the Bible, yeah, no, but I'm Jesus and I can change it. We would, we would toast him. We would absolutely toast him. And that's effectively what he was doing. We are in a superior era with superior promises in a superior covenant with a superior revelation of the Father and we are called to do something amazing. We're called to say with confidence to the world, you know what? You are asking, is there any hope? Do you have the answer? The answer, world, is yes. Come and have a look because the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed and the lame walk. That's our answer. Because uh, we're in a new era. Amen. <laughs> Hmm. 
That feels better. I got that off my chest. Um, what we're going to do is we, we want to pray for the sick today. We wanna, the kids are going to get involved. So, Alan, if you could do that. I know there's some of you here have been carrying uh, long-term stuff. And I think it would be really cool. Our kids are great at praying for the sick. There's no messing about. There's no flowery prayers. They're just kind of like, go for it. Um, and, and so we're not going to pray into emotional stuff or deliverance. But, but if you've got pain in your body, long-term sickness... Anything like that, we'd just love to pray for you and, and let two or three of our kids loose on you as well. Is that, is that okay? We just wanted to involve them some more. And uh, I, I just would like this to land in your heart. God's will is to heal you. Even if it hasn't happened for 20 years, God's will is to heal you. And he loves you. You know, well, I don't understand it. Well, neither do I, but I know his will is to heal you. Don't get offended mentally, all right? Just, just accept it. God's will is to heal you, good and proper, thoroughly. Hallelujah. Yeah, go for it, yeah. Just because we know that um, stories just help build our faith. Um, in the past two weeks, um, I've had an awesome privilege to pray for a couple of people. One of them is a friend who I've known for a long time, and he's, she's got a lot of health problems. And I normally only see her on a Sunday afternoon. And two, one, two weeks ago, I saw her, and she was in a lot of pain. Um, she's a petite little thing, but her right leg was really swollen. It was rock solid. It was painful to her. It sounded like there was some sort of infection, and she was going to have to go to A&E that night. Um, to be able to go and get it checked out. And we were stood outside Morrison's in Partick. So we just really quickly prayed. Prayed once and she was like, okay, that feels a bit better actually. So we said another quick prayer. And we were talking really quick prayers, kind of like very subtly laying hand on her leg just right outside the entrance to Morrison's. And, um, and she was like, great. And then I saw her last Sunday afternoon again, and she was just like, it's amazing, the swelling's gone right down. I didn't have to go to A&E. I didn't need antibiotics. So um, that was absolutely Ooh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, think, I don't think Harriet's here this week, no. But last week, Stu and I had the privilege of praying for Harriet. And because she has sciatica, she's had real problems with her knees um, and a lot of pain in those. And so we prayed once for her. And she was like, yep, the pain's gone completely in my right leg. Uh, which is fantastic. And so we're like, okay, what about the left one? She says, well, that's the one that's been more hurt, to be honest. So that still hurts. And so we'll, we'll pray again. So we prayed again and then got her to check it. And we've been doing pain levels with her, one to 10, what's it like? And she just ended up wandering around here afterwards, just going, because the pain had all completely gone in both of her knees. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Just waiting for the kids. They're obviously having a great time. Yeah. Any more stories? Anybody got another testimony? Okay, who, who's up for getting some prayer this morning anyway for healing? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of us. Great. Well, when the kids come, we'll just... Yeah, come on, come on. So if you're on the ministry team, if you can come out in this area here too, and we're going to... Where the kids want, they'll be a little bit, you know, I'll get into it eventually. If you want some prayer for healing, just come out in this area here. If you're in the ministry team, come out here too. And we're going to pray for you. And it's going to be exciting because God loves to heal people. And if you don't want prayer, that's absolutely cool. We're going to get 
There's teas and coffees and refreshments over there as well. So thanks for coming. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day.